dream is a wish your heart makes. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since the life-altering introduction of Blue M&M's now guides on your nostalgic tour of Disney history, one magical film at a time. I'm J.B. Wagner. And I'm Eddie Ferguson. And on today's episode, we remember our own Latin American adventures as we review Saludos Amigos. So fasten that safety restraint and pull up on the yellow strap because it's time to open the vault. Cue that Disney sound effect. Eddie, I feel like I should not be the one introducing this movie. I feel like you should take it from here, being as someone who's living in a Latin American country right now, you know Spanish, you speak it fluently. I need. I feel like it would just be wrong for me, the most gringo of the two of us, to be I, I actually do that. I have to admit, there in the intro... It was all I could not do. And to uh, I wanted to just give it like my best gringo accent and be like, saludos, amigos. 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 Well, we, well my, fr- my, my, my team member uh, call, called me out on that for saying uh, a composer's na- or um, a director's Guillermo, name. Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. I said it horribly and Michaela called me out on it and said, thankfully that you, Eddie, had like corrected me in the moment well, nicely. I I also got to say like there's times though that I feel it feels pretentious when you're in a conversation with somebody and there is a Spanish phrase or movie or something like in the mix. Like my brain is now programmed like I have to say, "Hey, we watched the movie Saludos Amigos" and pronounce it but right. I feel weird. Like I, like if I'm talking with another English speaker, I feel like I should say saludos amigos. Cause then they would actually, and, and the opposite happens to me here. That's really hard. There's a lot of English words in, in Spanish here in Costa Rica, but they'll pronounce the English words with a Spanish accent. And I have no idea what they're talking about. There's so many instances and I remember the first time I ever heard it was I went to the coffee shop and to like buy coffee and they asked, well, how do you want it ground? And the guy said, uh, do you want it for like, and he said, coffee maker. And I'm like, coffee maker, what? I don't, what is that word? And I'm like, got my, my dictionary out. I'm like trying to get it all out. And like, and like eventually like Don's, I mean, he's saying coffee maker but, but coffee maker, like in a quick Spanish accent. So it happens to me on, on both ends of all of this. But yes, needless to say, I, I, I enjoy this movie. I've not lived in these parts of Latin America where uh, Saludos Amigos is set uh, within South America, which I have visited. I know Ecuador and Argentina. We both know Brazil. We have both been there. Yes. So where these, uh, these movies. There you go. The curb. The curb. So yeah, we uh, there's there's lot to be enjoyed and loved about the setting of this movie. I, I feel like you can't 
dive too deeply or get too quickly into the nitty gritty of this movie without addressing like why this movie even exists. Like what is its origin story? Like it's a very fascinating story in and of itself. And I, and I think we have to begin, begin there. Yes. This is part of what is affectionately called the package film era of Disney, but also probably known as the propaganda films. Like this is all during world war two that these films were made. This was actually filmed and commissioned before world war two. They went down in 1941. Um, You actually see some of the crew uh, from the animators that are going on the trip for the scouting trip in throughout this this film before the United States enters world war two. Yes. So before our enter entrance into it, that's when this film was made for it. And it just happened. Then it would carried on through our um, participation in the war. But what I love about it is that the reason that it was made was because they were worried that the Latin American governments were getting close ties with Nazi Germany. And so they're like, we're going to, we should make these films to kind of like try to, I don't know what they were really trying to do, but they were trying to like pull, oh, well, bring closer so ties to America to explain why these films would help counteract the Nazi Germany. <laughs> like, so the film, the film is just a ruse. It's just a, an excuse to get Walt Disney to gallivant around Latin America, right? So they can't go like, hey, we're going to send Walt Disney to try and convince you not to go join the Axis. So what we'll do is we'll say Walt Disney is researching his newest and latest animated film. Oh, and you are all excited that this American, you know, wealth well-known famous American is in your country, you'll do the state dinners or you'll do, you'll invite him to whatever and da, 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 da. And then Disney has these opportunities to go, ain't America great folks. And it's, it's a, it's an interesting moment in the, in the history of the world and in the history of the Walt Disney company. These two things happen to line up perfectly Disney's not doing great because of the war. They had yep. rapidly expanded into the European market. Then that closes down. So they've had several films now, as you've heard us mention here as we've reviewed them, that haven't really done that great when they first come out. Um, so financially, things are tense. And here's the U.S. government saying, we'll bankroll this whole film. We will pay you to do this. Free money to make a movie? Sure, yeah. right? Check. The second thing that's happening at Disney is... Most of his right, all of his, uh, most of his animators uh, and workers are on strike against him. So we've seen this played out um, over the past several months. What happens when people go on strike? Productions grind to a halt. Like there's nothing you can do. So I'm broke. I'm uh, I can't afford to make a movie. Even if I could, I really can't because most of my animators are on strike. Now, they're not unionized at this time, but uh, there is this core little group that is able to to participate in this. So Walt looks at this and goes, hey, I've got a handful, you know, 20 or so this. The U.S. government's willing to bankroll this. Great. So it's a huge win for Disney. And it also gives him a, a reason just kind of get out of Burbank, 
Yeah, he's, get away this, for a little the, bit. The strike has been a huge stress on him. He's taking it very personally. He kind of gets away. He can travel and, and relax. Now, in the grand scheme of the world, you got to remember, this is 1940 when they're down there, 41 when it comes out. The world, everybody is being drawn in. World War II is literally the entire world is involved in this. All except for really Latin America. Latin America really doesn't, you know, it hasn't established itself and and where it's at. I'm going to jump to the end of the story. This works. Uh, This Goodwill tour works uh, and keeps most Latin American countries just neutral or um, in like the case of Brazil, uh, assisting the allies in their war efforts. Um, Brazil becomes a huge place for aircraft to hop over the Atlantic Ocean because the shortest point between uh, across the Atlantic Ocean is Brazil over to Africa right there. So that becomes a huge thing. And Brazil kind of helps facilitate a large amount of resources getting taken over to the European theater. So uh, it works and it's 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 you know, it's a huge success. So both of these things line up in 1940-41 that we get this film, Saludos Amigos, that is really, like you said, a package film. It's these four kind of stories, telling of the culture, uh, packaged together into one thing called Saludos Amigos. One of my favorite quotes is from the Herald Tribune. Uh, they said that they felt Saludos Amigos should do more to cement friendly relations between North and South America than a dozen treaties or a score of diplomatic missions. Yes. I think we, we found the answer to that as well. Well, and you, and you see it. I think one of the things I like about this film, and particularly as someone who loves Latin American culture, is like you can see the animators enjoying what they're learning. You know, like it is... Um, it is very much a uh, there's an enjoy there's no judgment of any culture um they're they're they are picking up on these little nuances within the the culture or the geography or different things and 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 I, I i to me it comes across as a true foreigner's enjoyment of the latin culture you can definitely feel all the colors throughout all of this mm-hmm. it's very vibrant film uh even when you when you look at some of the artwork that they show because they cut back and forth between the production shots with what they ended up animating uh you can see where the influences uh came from did the production shots of seeing the animators get on the plane being up in the air right before we see the pedro uh section did that take you out of the film or did it like make it feel too much like a, a fake a faux documentary like even how would you classify this film? Is it like a true narrative film or is it just a documentary of sorts? I mean, there to me, it's a, like watching that docu-series they did on Frozen 2 and then cut to watching Frozen 2. You know, the, those two things are much more uh, elongated and, you know, uh, a longer format. But in many ways, I felt like this was a precursor to the the DVD extra um, but we just insert the the clip, the the short, you know, after each of kind of those little different moments and stuff. So I yeah, wonder if they... it, you're right. It, it's hard to classify. It's like newsreel meets shorts meets docu series, production diary, 
all kind of rolled into one thing. Because if you only took at just the animated pieces of this, it's not that long. There's not, there's basically four shorts is what they basically are. Maybe a little bit more than that. That first one is a little more, um, has more movements to it, different locations and stuff. But stripping away yeah, all the production stuff. they classify it as, oops, sorry. Go for it. Oh, I was going to say you, you, the, the four movements or the four segments kind of follow you're going from north to south right so you you start in bolivia at lake titicaca then the you go down to chile and you've got pedro the the plane which i think is so cute it is like the the source material for the cars universe you know (laughs) like it it's just kind of fun and then you go down to argentina and you have Best ca- animation casting anybody could think of, which is El Gaucho Goofy. So Goofy as a as an Argentine um, gaucho or cowboy. And then we pop over uh, to Brazil, which I don't speak Portuguese. So this is where I'll butcher this one. But uh, Acarela da Brasil, which is like the watercolors of Brazil. Um, which I have to say, you were talking about just beautiful painting and animation. That one for me stopped me in my tracks. Like when that segment opens and it's the brush and the animation style mixed between art, uh, watercolor landscape and then it segments within it get animated. That was really cool. I really, really liked that one. That one was by far my favorite. That one was definitely the most playful with the medium with uh Mm. you're seeing them draw and animate while donald is coming on screen uh with the parrot then coming on as well i'm not even going to pretend to say his the last name of the of that character because i will completely butcher it um but then that that parrot ends up coming into the three caballeros after this and in the next film um this is like his introduction in this in this thing yeah you get this trip and this trip produces this film and the three caballeros, which we'll look at next week. So I did kind of say that right. Caballeros. Yeah, look at you. You're good. Caballeros. You paid, atten- you paid attention to Penny G's uh, Spanish class there. I know you. I, I think, though, my favorite probably moment in all of this. Can you guess what my favorite moment where I literally stopped it and played it back over and over to get all to write down every every last word from this moment? It's really early on. It's in like the first few minutes. Like when he's dis- discussing the culture in Bolivia and like the different artists. I don't when know. When he's talking about the burros and the llamas. It's yes, so, yes, it's, yes. I'm just going to read it because it's so good. These little syncopated bur- burros bear the heavy burdens here because, wait for it, the more dignified llama will carry just as much just so much and no more when its porter is exceeded that haughty aristocrat of the andes calmly sits down and refuses refuses to budge yes a llama can make you feel awfully unimportant i was like this is amazing this is the best description of this random animal of llamas that that it just like it gave me a completely new perspective not quite wolves don't attack people <laughs> level for those who watch the podcast, 
But this was like, you just gave me a whole new perspective on it. And now I want to go back and give a higher rating maybe to um, Cusco and the and the Emperor's New Groove. I'm like, oh, they made him a llama, but this was like a pretentious llama. But that's their personality. That's so well, interesting. I love, I love that you've highlighted this and pulled this out because I enjoyed so much that as that narration over that segment is masterful, like... Uh, it's beautiful. You know, beautiful writing. Like a wordsmith must have sat there for hours, just carefully articulating all of those. But I think what just accentuates that whole moment is the animator painting glasses onto the llamas, and like the you know over the rim of the nose glasses and the big round glass. And like as you see him doing that with the narration. It all just kind of clicks and you go, yeah, I get it. I see it. I know exactly what's what's being said here. That was easily my favorite moment in all in in this entire thing. It's none of it's animated other than the glasses, which glasses felt very much like um, Encanto, like her glasses in in, Encanto, which is also set in Bolivia, if I'm correct. Right. Or maybe maybe not. No, Encanto is up in Colombia. Colombia. Okay, sorry. Come on, but. JB. There's a song called Viva Colombia. Colombia. Yeah, exactly. But if I'm going to rate which of the four pictures I like the best, I I would definitely go with you on the beauty of the last one with the, with the watercolors and the painting. It's hard because I wasn't this film. It's that's why I, I kind of push back on what is this film is it a documentary? Are they actually narrative pieces? There's not much of a like hard and fast storyline in all of this. They're just sketches, basically, to me. Um, I probably was drawn in by Pedro, the baby air, the baby plane, a little bit more than some of the other ones. But I kind of had a hard time keeping. It, these really are when you get to the Gaucho with Goofy. Overall, these are Goofy shorts. Like it's when he yep. was learning football, how to do it. Like the, the, that's what these are. It's kind of like goofy shorts, but it's a little more extended. You get a little more history of another culture and stuff like that. But that's kind of where it kind of ended for me. Like that it's like, okay, that's what this is. And I'm not that I wasn't that engaged with it, to be honest. I, I, I think that these are uh, like, this is a good example of many things that Disney put out during this time period that are are important to keep in mind. I think often when here in 2023, when we've just celebrated the hundred year anniversary of the company, when we look back on Disney, we just see these huge mountain peak moments, right? We see Peter Pan, we Cinderella, see Snow White, Cinderella, yeah. we, you know, these are the things we think this is what made Disney. But honestly, I would make the argument that what we just watched and many other things from this specific time period is what intertwines Disney into Americana. Like we are now at a point where you can't when you start to describe like what is the Americana, the the American folk art. I'm sorry, Disney has to get woven in there. Disney has to come up. I heard a crazy statistic. 83% of all Americans, 83% of all Americans will visit a Disney park in their lifetime. Wow. 
Let that sink in. That's from the Smithsonian. 83% of all Americans will visit a Disney park. That is crazy. There's nothing else like that 83% of Americans have in common, right? We've got to stop and, and realize there this what we're looking at here when you know the United States was emerging as a superpower, as this kind of dominant culture. Disney was also emerging as a company as well. And when the two kind of come up together, they intertwine. And this is why this is why Disney like is, you know, like when you think of like what is like an iconic American company brand. Yeah, you got to say you got to say Disney, you got to say Coca-Cola, you know, you've got to these all things kind of intertwined here. And what Disney goes on from here as well during this time period they create a lot of other like straight up hardcore propaganda films that get, you know, uh, you know, Donald acting like a silly Hitler and and things like that um, to even tr- like training videos. One of the things that they figured out was they can train the troops faster if you let Disney animators create the instructional videos Funny and people, you yeah. know, cause you gotta, yeah, these are 18 year old, 19 year old guys here who are, who are signing up for this. And so this is where, this is the moment that Disney solidifies itself as the all American brand. Um, not just within the United States, mind you, but also worldwide, worldwide to yeah. which this is still felt today. There are, whole hotels at Disney World that get just taken over by Brazilian tour groups. There are certain times of the year that there are so many Brazilians at Disney World, they start making the announcements in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Wow. And that that economic engine that Disney is enjoying today, I mean, you can trace right back to... This Saludos film, amigos. this Saludos Amigos that you would think, oh, this is silly. This is goofy. What you know, what was no, it has like a, a huge impact today. It has a huge cultural impact that we, we still see today. So, Eddie, tell me from this film, what is for me being ultra gringo? What's a Spanish or Latin American uh, moment from this film that would have gone straight over my head? That if you wanted to pull something out there where you're like, oh, you wouldn't know this, but when he says this or when he, when he, this dance or this, this, whatever, that I would have just thought uh, I, I would have been over my head. Was there anything that you can think of from this film that you're like, oh, you'd only know this living in Latin American culture, or obviously some of it is in Spanish or Portuguese. And I wouldn't have caught a lot of even what Jose had at the end. Yeah, I mean, um, so the for the at least the first three, um, and no specific quote is coming out to me, but there is definitely a lot of, of just the Spanish left in. That's you know, I think that would yeah. be hard. And you see that in the Pedro short. Um, there's a lot of just kind of little like uh, signs and whatnot painted that were um, just kind of funny. You know, flight school. You know, school. Uh, like the schoolhouse and it was like flight school was the name of the schoolhouse that, you know, Pedro comes out of and and different things like that. I don't know about like mist, I guess for me and maybe you you picked up on this or not. I think for me, having traveled through Latin America, one of the things I enjoyed was 
showing the diversity of culture within Latin America. I think most North Americans think of Mexican culture and just assume everybody on down is just like Mexico food, even the Spanish and the the music uh, and everything like that. And it's like, no, like Latin America is so diverse and different based upon each area. And that's why I liked like that. They highlighted a place like Bolivia, which is so different than the rest of them when you you're at the high altitude and they they kind of highlight the uh, the the scarf kind of large blanket colorful blankets that the ladies wear or wrap the kids around them to the Argentines with the the gaucho culture all the way out to to Brazil where you kind of get a little bit more of a of a latin feel but nothing like you know mexican culture which you'll start to get a taste of in the next film with the three caballeros and they add, uh, I think his name is Panchito in there, which kind of represents more of the Central American, Mexican kind of flavor of, of Latin America. So I think that was one of the things that I don't know if most would pick up on. It was just like the the diversity and such a difference of culture that yeah. I thought they did a really good job of highlighting. So have we arrived? This This has no, to my knowledge, no presence in the parks. We'll touch on a. This is kind of hard because the last one is definitely a precursor to the Three Caballeros. Three Caballeros shows up much more, but this one I I don't know if I've ever if I've ever seen anything. I would be shocked if I did. Yeah, this Maybe is my first time Easter watching. Egg. I didn't even know really that this movie existed until we had it on our list and we were debating whether or not to put it in its own category. And you said, "Now, yeah, let's let's give it its own time here on the podcast." So I'm. Glad I watched it. I'm glad that I um, got to experience it. It was a new experience for me and kind of a um, different educational um, thing. So I would probably, for me, Eddie, it's not going to shock you. I would, I would categorize this probably as a two, as interesting. But that's probably as far as I would, I would go with it. Um, I was debating whether or not to give it a one back in the vault or two. I'll give it a two because this is our podcast. I don't want to. I don't want to slam you and demoralize you and make you cry tonight. I'll I'll, I'll keep it at a a two and interesting. When Disney Plus came out, my first week on Disney Plus was going through and watching all of these things. (laughs) Of course. Because you never had access to all of this stuff. Like I had heard it referenced. I'd seen a clip of it here. Maybe a few things that trickled out onto to YouTube or whatnot. But I was most excited to see like all of these like little shorts and stuff from the 30s and 40s and 50s. So I've probably watched this half a dozen plus times. I don't know, especially with the kids. The kids really like this one. So I'm going to give this one a three. I'm going to say it's it's for a very, very entertaining. It's definitely not risen to that that classic level. Um, I think when you package it all together with everything else during this time, you start to see the the bigger impacts that this film had in others. Um, but for me, this one particular, I'm giving it a three. Very entertaining. Okay. Well, I don't feel, I don't feel as bad that we were just a number off. So I could have gone lower. I, I don't gone think, lower, Eddie. I, 
I mean, it would be really, I mean, when we get to like, when we're talking like Disney classic, Disney essential, I feel like some of those, that is a, a bit beyond our own preference, right? Like it has to hit some other level that is beyond our own opinions. I would agree, I would agree with that. Well, now that we are filled up on some Disney nostalgia, now for a bit of Disney news. And the biggest news of all, which I think probably happened Ba-da-da-da. right as right last week after we had already recorded, the strike yeah. is finally over. All the strikes are done, at least when it comes hey. to Hollywood. <laughs> the sag the strikes are done. Still have some is, auto workers striking, but yeah. Yeah, still still some other other areas that are striking right now. But the biggest effect of this, besides the fact that we're going to start seeing production start up, is all the productions that are postponing. And the big ones that have already dropped um, are Marvel. They've, again, moved their slate all around. And for the most part, other than Deadpool, have vacated all of 2024 for new movies, at least. I don't know. I don't know that uh, shows are a part of this. Uh, but at least movie-wise, 2024, uh, we're getting Deadpool in July. They've completely vacated the May release that they always have every year, um, usually most years. And they've moved uh, Captain America, Thunderbolts, and Blade are all now in 2025. So we're getting three movies there, um, which I don't know how that speaks to their desire to pace more of this out having two summer movie or i guess one summer movie um but yeah what are your what are your thoughts on that eddie so i've been following all of this quite closely um because shortly after no as the deal was being announced disney is simultaneously having their quarterly earnings call and announcing here's how we're doing by Bob Iger is doing like live interviews on CNBC and stuff. They're asking him about the strike negotiations and he's refusing to comment. Smart on him. He's like, I'm pretty sure they're hitting it. I close. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything stupid this time. This time. I think what what revealed in the quarterly earnings call is that Disney has cut cost tremendously. And Wall Street loved what Disney did. It has made them, you know, profitable again. The stock price saw a huge, or I won't say huge, but significant increase after all of that. And the big buzz that I'm hearing post-strike is, yeah, they may have gotten the deal that they wanted, but this also gave studios and streamers, right, this moment to take a break and take a deep breath and go, you know, we just spent the last 10 years spending absurd amount of money to produce all of this content, right? The golden age of television. And we still didn't hit profitability. But when we started cutting, oh, and they went on strike and we ceased all productions, we hit productivity. We, you know, we became... Ah, so the big thing that I'm starting to hear is I think we're going to see more of this kind of we're going to see less. I think less is going to go into production. And I think you're going to see everybody start pacing, especially Disney, pace things out a little bit better. 
Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to see if all three of these films in 2025 still happen, actually, yeah. you know, still happen. We saw the pacing start to happen with with Pixar. Right. I think we're going to have one Pixar film a year and we're going to have one Disney animation film a year and maybe some some Disney plus content in between. But for the most part, uh, I think you're just going to see we got to bring costs down. We've got to spread things out a little bit and make, you know, make more off of all this. When you said it perfectly, Pixar, only one film a year. They pit, they pulled Elio to 2025 yep. as well. But that brings us to another great thing that dropped last week, which was Inside Out 2. Was not emotionally ready for this, Eddie. Man, I've, I've did they pick hope, the man. right... They played this I, so well. I texted Biggest this to you. movie trailer in Disney Studios history. Biggest this, trailer release. This was perfectly timed for them. Right as we're kind of wrapping up a lot of the 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 strike saga, kind big of big week for Disney. Some- honestly, yeah, you you had the wish premiere going on. You had the quarterly earnings call saying, "Hey, we're making money again." Strikes over, and let's slide this one out the door. I mean, they just they had a great week. You know, the the PR minus, team, the marketing team, minus the Marvels, <laughs> minus the money that sure. they did yeah, yeah, make yeah. from the they Marvels. They did not let's end. They did not end the week well. They had a great week. They just didn't end it uh, yeah. quite well at all. But man, in, Inside Out Two was so curious what they were going to do with it. And they perfectly chose the right first new emotion to introduce us to in this. There's other emotions happening. You can look at the poster for it. You can see some other ones in there. I have some ideas of what they are. But man, starting with anxiety as like the first new emotion was spot on perfect. It's yeah. all throughout the zeitgeist and the and the culture right now. Everyone's talking about anxiety, dealing with anxiety. I've worked on some anxiety-related projects here at my work. Uh, so when they dropped that, I was like, "This is yeah, perfect, perfectly situated." And I can't. And now I'm I'm just like over them and cannot wait to find out what's going to happen in this film. Although I was reminded that they have recast a couple of the positions that yeah. make me. Sad. I was I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, talk with John, about he, cost with heater. Cutting. Yeah, heater and Bill Hader and Bill Hader. Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling. Yes, Mindy Kaling. Uh, okay, Hader. Oh man, that's so rough. But they did cast him with a great second choice. I am. Sure. I am. I am. I am. Love Tony Hale. I think he would do sure. a great job in this role. Uh, but I, I'm still still sad because obviously that initial one makes me so happy when when he's a part of it. So. It was all over compensation negotiations. Man. That was why those two walked. The Disney is trying to save some money and they knew they needed Polar back. So they gave her the big chunk and nobody else. And uh, those two were like, yeah, we're not working for that. And I mean, it was something really low, like 100 grand or something. Poor guys, but good, good for yeah. them for sticking to their guns. But I'll work for a hundred grand. I'll I go, can, go to I a can sound booth pull off a Bill <laughs> Hader. I could pull off a Bill Hader, you know, somewhat. Call us Disney. Voice We're for ready you? for you. Yeah, yeah. Shoot. So I'll 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 do it for fifty grand. Have we're not going to be. Yeah, we're not going to be doing any uh, review of the Marvels on this podcast, partially because Eddie refuses to give 
Marvel his money at all. You, you overstate it. That that makes it sound like I'm putting far more effort into this than I actually am. You are tr- you are actively trying to not be involve yourself at all in the show. I, the, on the other hand, viewed the actual quality Marvel content that came out this past week, and you did not. The one that everybody's one talking about. I, and I what did an not, episode to miss. If Eddie had actually just texted me, he has my number, and said, hey, we need to talk about Loki season two finale, I would have found time to watch the final episode so sadly, you have to wait till our next episode probably to get our lowdown on Loki. At that point, I'm sure that the internet will still be ablaze. Oh, blaze. talking about yeah. it. But yeah, so yeah. So next next time you have to check us out. We're gonna be talking about Loki. Uh, that'll unfortunately probably be after Thanksgiving. I think we're gonna take next week off for traveling, for family, all of that good stuff. But we won't be gone as long as we were the last time we took a little bit of a hiatus. We'll be back sooner than before you know it. Um, But before we go, Eddie, I hope you and your family have a great week. I'm 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 working on it. We are getting ready for a Thanksgiving abroad and all of the the fun things that that entails. Which is it it's hard to be festive when it's like you know I'm going to complain about it being too hot, and I know everybody's going to be booing me through their 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 speakers um it's perfect like, outside just it's like 90 degrees bright blue boo. sunny skies boo and i'm like i i want an overcast cold midwest day like that feels like a good get me in the mood for for thanksgiving and christmas season so but yes we are we are doing well and same to you all and with that You've got your weekly dose of Disney nostalgia. Be sure to subscribe to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast wherever you listen to your other favorite podcast. And hey, also, give us a look on YouTube. We're there as well. When I remember to upload the videos. Now, while you are there, please like or leave a five-star review and share it with your best friend. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com where you can see all of our nostalgic reviews of Disney movies. Tune in next week as we review the three caballeros. Thank you for listening and remember, adios Hollywood y saludos amigos.